the thirteenth day of Christmas, Moose brings to me the season five premiere. Christmas, bloody Christmas, with Santa Claus himself, Abe, Ben Ruby. Welcome, horror hounds, to the 13th horrifying day of Christmas and the season five premiere of Moose's Monster Mash. I'm your host, Moose. And for the season five premiere, I couldn't think of anyone better than somebody from Parker Lewis Can't Lose, ER, and Santa Claus himself. Please welcome Mr. Abe Ben Ruby. Woo! Thank you, Moose. A pleasure to be here. Glad to have you. Like, definitely wanted to. Like, after watching Christmas Bloody Christmas, I, you know, it's like, yeah, I've, I've got to reach out and get you on and then having Corin on last year I'm like all right that's my in <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> for sure you know man I'm just uh, I'm always pleased to hear that anybody watched Christmas bloody Christmas uh, I'm I'm looking forward to to pimping it a little bit again this year and hoping that more eyeballs catch it because we had a blast making it and I, I think it's for the right audience a gentleman like yourself uh, it's definitely a fun ride. Oh, one hundred percent. And yeah, b- before we dive into that, how? Yeah. So just, how's life? How, how's everything going? You know, man, the small picture is very good. I have a wonderful wife and two friendly dogs, and we're we seem to be safe and have food, etc. Um, big picture, I dare not look beyond my blinders, because <laughs> holy cow, what are we doing to each other, man? What are we doing to each other in this world? It's just insane. So that's where I'm at. How about you, Moose? About <laughs> the same. I mean, you know, it's small picture. I got, you know, the family, three kids, three dogs, yep. two cats. It's like nice. the Brady Bunch with animals. Uh, I love that. Where are you in the world? I'm in Nebraska. Omaha, Nebraska. Very nice. Very nice. Yeah, you know, it's getting colder. Who do I know from there? I know a, there's a great uh, there's a great indie band from there whose name I'm not going to be able to remember. A very prolific Omaha songwriter. There's a great music scene in Omaha, is what I'm mm-hmm. trying to say. I uh, say it's getting yes. colder, which means the arthritis is kicking in. Uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> Same here. Yeah. We're down to 75 today, so my arthritis is kicking in. Oh, I, I would love 75. It's, I think, say, no. Well, this morning when I took the kids to school, it was 48. Oh, my gosh. I walked out the front door I like, remember, and just I heard everything Indiana. creaking and groaning. I'm like, oh, i got to get you to school. i got to get back inside. That sounds like an old rocking totally. chair. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Funny, man. That's okay. We get, uh, you know, we get some other benefits. You get to just lay around or mm-hmm. whatever old man thing you do. Right. Yeah. So, w- what got you into acting? I mean, you you, you uh, certainly don't blend in. <laughs> what got me into acting originally was reading fantasy and sci-fi and comic books as a little kid and 
pretending to be Spider-Man or Bilbo Baggins and then daydreaming my way through like the third grade. My one teacher said, why don't, to my mom, why don't we have a be Santa Claus in the school play? And <laughs> I wound up doing that. And they basically, they funneled me into the local theater uh, project program at the Indianapolis Civic Theater, which was great. Just a great, fun, uh, perfect place for a 10-year-old kid to start learning theater. And um, in high school, a film from, Los An- uh, from Hollywood came to Indianapolis to use our Olympic diving facility, and uh, I auditioned for that film and got a small part, and the director and other actors encouraged me to come to L.A., and that's how I got here. Yeah. Well, and I've, as corny as this sounds, and I kid you not, this is not just because, you know, this is not just me kissing your ass. I've always been a fan of, <laughs> I've always been a fan of seeing you on screen. Um, I appreciate it. And a lot of it is, I, I have always been the big kid. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, in second grade, second, like second through fifth grade, I was pushing five foot, you know, so like five. Yeah. Yeah. You're, so you were the big kid in the class for sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I've always been tallest in the class and then it was like tallest and whitest in the class. So then, you know, you starting to see, you know, shows with like you on Parker Lewis or your spot on wings or yeah. your, your one-off on growing pains where you played really big kid. You know, it's like, Hey, <laughs> that's right <laughs> there, 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 there is a uh, you know there, there is a place for this well sure and you know from your own life experience that every little circle of friends has at least one big dude and it's usually one big dude and one little dude and then like two like handsome dudes that roll in and out of the group yeah <laughs> and I think that's sort of what was relayed on Parker Lewis to be honest with you yeah um, oh absolutely you like that segue? I made that segue happen. Um, <laughs> no, but you get to, you know, they always tell us uh, art reflects life or life reflects art or whichever way you prefer to look at it. And it's true. You, What we recognize in our entertainment is based on something in our own lives, I think. Too philosophical for this hour of the morning. I'm so sorry, <laughs> No, it's... You, you're right, though. I mean... Uh, as one of the coolest things about Parker Lewis was it, it was like spot on for what like there there were a lot of shows that were representative of what kids were around that time but i think Parker yeah. Lewis really nailed what kid groups were like cuz i mean you had shows like Saved yeah, by we- the Bell and different kid group shows but they didn't really capture the group dynamic of what a real group of friends was like. I like that. And you know, what's interesting that you made me think of while you were saying that, uh, which is really thoughtful. Um, the way you put it is that all of these shows are created by people who are the next generation up. Right. So all of the, so like the Parker Lewis is, storylines are based on memories of those guys from their high school days adapted to whatever the modern sensibility is. And I, that's something that I kind of never thought about as we were 
making it, certainly. Maybe I have to be this old to look at it and hear your uh, insights on it. Um, I think that's pretty cool and weird, and it would be strange to see a a kid, a high school show made by high school age people. That would be really cool. Yeah, say because it'd be like now it would be essentially us making a high school show for the next generation based on our high school experiences. And it's not going to connect. It's not necessarily going to connect the same with the current high school crowd because correct in just the last 15 years, times has changed so, so much. Oh my gosh. In just the last five years. Yeah. We're on such a fast, (laughs) you know, we're on such a fast moving uh, curve that, yeah, Yeah. it's going to be, it'd be so hard to try to, have that writing style that it, it I, I think that's part of why you don't see that style of show anymore because it's just it, it's yes it's also uh you, you, you can't do yeah, it yeah you know what i don't think you couldn't do it with cell phones if if jerry had a cell phone it would have ruined that coat it uh you know it takes the magic away i think uh it's, like if you look at a show like uh I don't have a show to give you because I don't watch anything, but um, I know when I see in a film and a lot of it takes place with people talking on their cell phones, I'm like, uh, I don't really, I'm not too worried because this guy could just call the cops and be fine. Yeah. I don't know. That's what that made me think. Sorry. Well, and that that was one of the biggest, uh, so not that long ago they did a, a remake of MacGyver. Yeah. And th- that was one of the big concerns. Exactly. It's like, you know, why did, uh, you know, how is this going to work? Because now everything, you know, like you said, everyone has cell phones. Does MacGyver need to exist in the modern world? Right. You know, where everything's just a phone call phone? away. And yes. like the, the, the interesting thing was, was the uh, cell phone became essentially the new Swiss Army knife. It got broken up and used in every uh, MacGyverism. <laughs> I like that. Now, see, that's a smart way of doing it. I like that. That's somebody's thinking, you know, along the same path as what I'd like to see. Break right. the phone and use it for other stuff. I say, rarely did it actually like get that. used for a phone, but, you know, it had mm-hmm. all the computer chips and everything that you need to solve the puzzle really quick. So I was like, all right, cool. That's thinking outside of the box. Yeah, I like that. I like that, too. Very cool. Whoever the writer of that one is, kudos. Give that guy another another script to give us. Right. It's like, that's how you take something and put it in the modern world, not just, oh, hello, police, army, you know? Yeah. It just... Yeah. Because, yeah, everything is easy to solve with a phone call. Yeah, it's true. and But, you know, if you think about something like, I don't know, Apocalypse Now, I mean, I guess they had access to that almighty, right? Like the bomb, you could call in the bomb squad, the bombers. But uh, it just felt more earned yeah. <laughs> than, some, uh, yeah, than some modern takes on it. Yeah, I like that to MacGyver approach, though, man. Take it apart. Anyway, sorry. Well, that is a tangent we have been on, Moose. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
As I scrolled through your uh, career uh, ac- acting resume, it, it, it astounds mm-hmm. me that like, when I bring up your name, people are like, oh, the Parker Lewis guy. Mm-hmm. You realize you did twice as, over twice as many ER episodes as you did Parker Lewis episodes. How are you not the oh, ER sure. guy? Way more. I am. So it depends on the audience. You are part of the audience that would. <laughs> There's also the dude from the program and the guy from Up the Creek Without a Paddle. You know, each the guy from Twister. There's a few options there, but um, <clears throat> for your, you know, your uh, your tastes run more towards the Parker Lewis, or that's where you first encountered the full effect. <laughs> the full Ben Ruby. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. My uh, and, and my old agent used to say I was on Ben Ruby standard time because it would take me longer than half an hour to call him back, which was unusual for actors in those days. <laughs> How did uh, ER come about? Anyway, ER came about because I had auditioned for China Beach many times and... Um, when they were casting ER, John Levy, the casting director, John Levy had to had like 250 roles to fill, and so at some point, after they had locked in all their, you know, hard to get people, they <laughs> they just offered some of the smaller roles to people that they knew and liked. I had never booked anything on China Beach, so they just offered it to me, and it was uh, we had a super fun time. It was originally a two-hour movie of the week kind of thing. Um, and it was very unique at that time. It's hard to really even, we can do anything in the movies now, but in 1994, when we started ER, moving around with the Steadicam for 10 pages in a row of a TV show was out of the ordinary. It was a very unique experience to, to be a part of that sort of new, ushering in a new way of making television. That was cool. Hell yeah. And... <laughs> ER yep. seemed to have uh, opened the door to uh, voice acting for you because there's, yep. there's a lot of voice voice work after ER so do you prefer the voice work or the uh, on screen work oh man well I'll tell you what actually opened the voice over work for me was um, working with Seth Green in New Zealand on uh, Without a Paddle, he and his friend Matt Senrich had um, made what is now Robot Chicken in their garage, basically. And he showed us the episodes uh, when we were down there, and I said, man, I would, I would love to be a part of that. And when they turned it into a TV show, he invited me to be a part of it. And that's actually how I cracked the, the voiceover gatekeepers um (laughs) but through that i've through that uh, initiation and working with sound engineers and casting directors and voice directors i really i I love doing that man i that's really the happy spot making monster noises for world of warcraft or right now we've been doing uh stuff for diablo 4 expansion um I had a really fun show on Nickelodeon called It's Pony, where I was the dad, uh, which unfortunately 
got very few eyeballs, but if you have kids in the six to 10 year old range, I recommend that show. It was really funny. Um, yeah, man, I love doing voiceover. That's my jam. I, I, even while during COVID we were able to record it's pony from home. Like, uh, they sent me a, a laptop, a modern computer, and I was able to record all my stuff from here, from my house. It was awesome. In my underwear, Moose. I was working in my underwear. What do you think of that? That's the actor's life right there. So it, it, isn't that the life? Isn't that the best? Where you can just be like, "I'm at work. I'm sitting in my underwear, but I'm at work." <laughs> it was. It was. It's true. I was sweating. Like, it, it, it sounds weird, but that was like the best thing to come out of COVID. You know, because you could just do everything yes. from home, and pants yes. were optional. Yes. A hundred percent pants are still optional in my opinion, but <laughs> you, gotta, you know, you gotta do what you feel is right. Of course. Um, no, I listen, there's definitely misery from COVID of course. Um, but there were things that, uh, I think made people realize that we are, you know, we need to reassess some of the ways we do things. It's like, yeah, I, I found a message that I sent a buddy of mine during COVID. I was like, Hey, I have a teleconference call with my doctor. Um, do you think pants are mandatory? He's like, shirt <laughs> mandatory. Pants are optional if you're sitting down. <laughs> I was like, <Yes>. okay. <laughs> <laughs> and it worked out. And it worked for the doctors, too, man. They don't have to, you know, they... Uh... I think telemed was a big, a big help for, you know, at least for like a general practitioner, right? They don't oh, yeah. have to see every single patient for every single thing. So. Uh, say especially it's the ones a, that you know, are running in, in world. all the time. Yeah, exactly right. <clears throat> but you and I, in this conversation already, have alluded to the fact that it is a fastly changing world, rapidly changing world, and uh, I don't see it slowing down anytime soon. No. So some of it's welcome. Some of it is welcome, and others we're gonna have to figure out uh hmm. it's a it does kind of go back to what like the jetsons and everything promised us where it, it is more virtual it is you know we are getting closer to that you know fast-paced technological future and it's it it's eerie like to it. watch it in real time yeah yeah and and see how like sort of janky it is. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like it's not gonna be Jetsons smooth for a while. You know, you just look at like the self-driving cars, right? It seems like there aren't too many of those programs, and they're already shutting them down. And yeah, I don't know. Maybe that's not the best idea. I don't know. Well, I mean, I'm not we, sure. we were there for the uh, birth and rise of the internet. So absolutely, we, we, we had to watch had that. Twenty go. years of the iPhone, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's just it's crazy to think yeah. about. Yep, yeah, and uh, and then you know how much of <laughs> all the things we could do, and then what we wind up doing with them. That's that's the fucking kick in the ass right there. Yeah, <laughs> there's definitely some good though. I try to I try to remind myself that there mm -hmm. are definitely people doing good in the world oh absolutely and yeah. i mean with everything i think everything starts with the best of intentions absolutely i think so too 
Yeah. You know, just may or may uh, not you know, end that ideally, way. Ideally. That's a hopeful attitude, though. I like that. I mean, even the atomic bomb started with the best of intentions. I suppose. It that's just how they sold it to us. At an <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, say so it started with, we won't have to use it. Ah, uh, we used it. Yeah. 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 Say so it's very much one yeah. of those. Yeah, it's better to have it and not use it than need it and not have it. Yeah, well, yeah, in this case, know, it didn't man. apply. I'm not sure how to think about it, honestly. <laughs> no, it's, uh, I hope nobody ever has to go through that again. No. I really do. I really so you do. Talk about real-life horror. Unreal. That does make, tell me, uh, uh, does transition me to tell you how excited I am for Godzilla Minus One coming up in December. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, shit, I'm sorry. I made myself laugh with a transition from Atomic Bomb to Godzilla. I don't know if you're a Godzilla fan, but oh, for 100%. me, there's two Godzillas coming. Right? There's two Godzillas coming in the next couple of weeks, and only one of them is the real Godzilla, in my opinion. Well, plus, you know, the my. Monarch series. I, I don't know, man. I don't know. I would just want the super cut of monster battles and get rid of all the acting <laughs> for that one for me. Figure they I'm do at least, a great job I, with their monster battle. Oh, 100%. Figure, yeah. I'm definitely going to check out the Monarch series and see yeah. what they plan to do with it. Because it's, it's a good shot to interject some uh, lesser-known kaiju. Yeah. And yes. like the, the possibilities are endless. Oh, yeah. Especially if they... If it does well, they could buy in other licenses and like you could wind up having like a... Mazinger battle, you know, it could be cool. It could be very cool. So oh, absolutely. I, I, I hope they have success, but I'm more excited about the real Toho Godzilla coming two weeks later. That one looks amazing, and uh, I'm a I love Godzilla. I'm a big Godzilla fan. I'm, actually, another thing we can kind of segue now I, that I've been doing during COVID, and that's been fun, is I've been doing English dubs on. Uh, other language shows. So a couple of Czech shows, a couple of uh, <laughs> uh, Korean shows. And that was my segue from the old Godzilla dubs, which I used to love to watch as a kid. Now, if I watch Godzilla now, I watch it in Japanese, but um, not that I understand what they're saying, but I get it, you know. Uh, but I used to love that the dub didn't match the lips. Yes. That was one of my favorite parts of Godzilla. Yeah. So been doing that. That's fun. A few Netflix things. Uh, trying to think of what one is called. My name is a cool uh, Korean uh, female cop show, female-led cop show. Really, kind of crazy action and stuff. Um, so that's a fun, like, actor side gig. And you that's have cool. such a you know effeminate voice. I do. I'm, I, I'm not the we. <laughs> 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 I am an actor. I can I can do whatever you need, Moose. Whatever voice you need. That's how we are. Oh I'm man. Capable. Um, you silly. That would be funny though. I would do that too. It would be uh, that would be a hoot actually. You could do that with your friends, almost like a video uh, TV show karaoke. Right oh now. yeah. <laughs> yeah, we used to do that with uh, animes. 
and oh, yeah. uh, no, some like it's just perfect, just like old western, uh, just like old west or like some black and white movies. Just turn the sound off, and uh, yeah, just you know redub yeah. it. It was always yeah. a blast. Yeah, that's good times. Yeah, I love that. Like Mystery Science Theater three thousand, they they uh, they rebooted that recently with a good dude named Jonah Ray, who's mm-hmm. also in the uh, forthcoming <clears throat> to be discussed Christmas Bloody Christmas. Have we gotten there yet? Nope. Let's, it, let's uh, uh, too segue, to talk about so let's segue into murder it. bots. Let's talk about murder bots. I liked it. Um, he thinks that we've done this before, Moose. Somebody would have that, maybe. <laughs> um, yes. Christmas, bloody Christmas. We made that in Placerville, California. We basically took over a small town. We made it in the old school style, 16 millimeter film. Everything's practical. The director, madman behind it all, is a guy named Joe Vegas, and he is a true lover of uh, of that sort of 70s and 80s and beyond horror, but especially those two eras. And the love for it comes out in his work. And I fell in love with the movies he was making. And I got lucky enough to to uh, join up in his stable of, of circus freaks that he uses and reuses. So the Santa bloody, the Christmas bloody Christmas experience was the best kind of filmmaking where everybody's in it because they love the project. They love the guy. Nobody's getting rich. Nobody's living in a high-class hotel and it was really really cool experience uh with some really great performances and if you're a fan of horror movies uh at all it's totally worth watching for the holidays christmas bloody christmas i'm sure it's streaming somewhere everywhere shutter at least oh absolutely yeah it's a good time we blow up shit we there's a last girl there's some crazy cops (laughs) I uh, say so it, it, it follows the all the uh, traditional like camp slasher horror tropes, just horror tropes in general. I mean, yeah. there's a, yeah. a sex murder scene. There's, you know, yeah. there, there's all of it. Plus a killer it's robot. An homage to many things. Yes, I was. A, I'm a, well. Spoiler. Yeah, I guess it's not a spoiler at this point. It's a, about a killer Santa Claus robot. And if you go down to one of your big box hardware stores, you can probably see a version of that right now that is just as scary as the one I did in the movie. <laughs> yeah. Well, like, please don't buy that shit, people. Please. <laughs> like, I remember watching it and I was like, man, he's not just playing a murderous Santa Claus. Because, like, when I first saw the trailer for it, I was like, okay, it's somebody dressed as Santa who went batshit crazy. Yeah, you know, and then it's like, yeah. no, this is animatronic Santa went batshit crazy. <laughs> so now you're playing true, a but... robot who is on a murdering spree. Yes. Is there any other kind of robot in the movies? Come on now. No. Only Wally is the only good robot. <laughs> Every other robot's a murderer. Well, there's Johnny Five. I'm pretty sure. Oh, there's R2-D2, although I'm sure he killed some people in there somewhere. Um, anyway, yes, so murdering Sandabot. You know, what was direction for that like? Because, I mean, you had to stay pretty stiff for the whole movie 
to keep yeah, up with the uh, um, robot, you know, visual. <laughs> I tried to keep it pretty stiff. It's funny, man. Uh, you know, when you're, for me, when I'm there doing it, I have it in my mind as sort of like, oh, this must look Terminator-esque, right? And then you see it, and it's a little bit more like big box store Santa Claus. And so <laughs> I was like, well, let's imagine that if this thing was really going to be at the mall or at this toy store, it would probably be pretty janky. And I can definitely play the janky version of this, right? Like, I'm not built like Schwarzenegger. Uh, so I, I just kind of leaned into the, into the janky, uh, robot Santa that was still fully capable of murdering, uh, young women and whoever needed to be murdered <laughs> if needed. Um, and I, I found a lot of fun and joy in that. And I don't know if anybody else was even aware of that, but it made me laugh as I was doing it, which is always a good sign. I think. <laughs> Yeah, no, it it was definitely a fun watch, you know, and yeah, I I love Christmas horror, you know, because it's like Christmas and horror, like that you don't think like they would mesh up very well, because you take this pure and happy time of the year, <laughs> and you murder it up. Oh yeah, and there's just and there's so much, man. Yeah. <laughs> Like and there's just something next level about yeah taking what is supposed to be this pure joyful blissful time and setting you know setting that as a backdrop to a horror slasher movie it it makes me happy. Well, again, it goes back to something that we can relate to. You know, even if you're not a Christian, you can't avoid the Christmas holiday because it's so super saturated throughout our culture, at least here in the United States, mm -hmm. I'll say. Um, so you're going to get it, right? You, 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 get this, you get the situation. It's going to be some kind of family or gathering of friends or something, right? Which is what happens at the holidays, especially around Christmas. And that's uh, <laughs> essentially every horror movie is the writer wanting to kill their family or friends, I'm pretty convinced. So... <laughs> You can take that as you like and when you watch your next the, horror movie. Well, and it's about the same. I was going to say it's usually about the time I turn on the uh, Christmas horror movie is when I've uh, I've reached about my limit of family and friends and just the general <laughs> population around Christmas time. Yes, yes, yes. Because there's a lot of societal pressures and. Uh, and expectations of that time and, you know, the joy and happiness and all that being part of it. And it's not, uh, we don't all, we don't all get that. And some, for some of us, holidays are really rough. So that's another way that horror plays on that, uh, on that psychological aspect of art triggers. I made that up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what was your favorite scene? In the in Christmas Bloody Christmas, yeah, yeah, uh, there is nothing more fun that I've ever done than riding around on the back of an ambulance at about forty five miles an hour, fifty miles an hour. <laughs> so there's a great uh, there's a great scene at the end of or well near the end of the movie that um, yeah I get to they harness me to the back of the ambulance and that was actually me <laughs> and actually. Uh, 
uh, Riley Dandy driving. So that was pretty exciting. Uh, yeah. yeah, that's a good time for sure. That's what you want as an actor is to get to do that kind of stuff that you don't couldn't possibly do in real life for me. So did you do most of your own stunts or how many, uh, <laughs> how many of your own stunts did you get to do rather? In Christmas, Bloody Christmas, there's, uh, a, I mean, I think there's a one shot of the stunt guy in the back of the ambulance, maybe from behind, but I, the rest of it, I, that wound up in the movie is me. I'm pretty sure for that sequence, I'm trying to think if there's any other stunts. One of uh, Joe's main collaborators, a guy called Josh Ethier, who does all his editing and finishing and all that, um, and co-producing, and he's really he's the real secret sauce of that uh, of that duo, if I can say that. Um, he had to wear the suit one one night because I got viciously motion sick, and so a few of the shots of Santa when he's looming over the young boy. <laughs> that's Josh. Uh, luckily, he and I are the similar build. He actually looks more like Santa Claus than I do, so I'm being honest. Um, and uh, he's in the movie. He plays the bartender in the movie. He's, he's a great actor and a uh, great guy. Very. It's just a cool group of people, and that's the main thing, Moose, is you want to wind up working with people you love and care about and respect what they do and you know, going to the going to the makeup shop to get my face cast and seeing all the monsters and the robots and all that. I, I love doing all that stuff. So it was a real, that's one of my very favorite film experiences. Christmas, bloody Christmas. Watch it this winter when you're sick of your family. Do you know, have there been any talks about a sequel? There were talks about a sequel. If, uh, but, you know, it has to make some money for people who want to make a sequel, so... Give it three or four years of people seeing it and spreading the word, and maybe maybe there'll be another one. He has ideas. Joe Vegas has ideas for sure. I, I uh, if you if you're listening to this and you are looking to invest in a filmmaker, I can't recommend him more. He's got a lot of great ideas. Um, and just a fucking good dude. That's what you want, Moose. Find the good ones. Now, Arf. if you could pick any horror character to play in any you know any movie who would you pick well what do you mean in like an existing or you know what i would pick honestly i would pick jack the ripper Ooh, that hasn't been done in a long time there's a lot of cool ways you could do it and uh i'm not british <laughs> but that's the character that would be a fun horror character it really would yep I like that era um Victorian England. I'm a big Sherlock Holmes fan and a Jack the Ripper fan, or not to say fan, but for instance, uh, you've probably seen From Hell, the movie version. Mm -hmm. uh, but the comic book of that is one of the very, my very favorite things ever written. Alan Moore, really amazing. Um, so I like that idea. And it would be cool to shoot it in the same kind of like fucking punk rock low budget way yeah some british kid if some british kid is listening to this please go do that because that's a british story it should be done right by the uk youth so do you have Still any unfold, uh i think I, I think so yeah do you have any uh upcoming projects that you're working on that you can talk about let's see 
can I talk about anything? I have one upcoming project that I don't think I'm... Uh, I have a Western that hasn't been sold yet. So we don't know when or where. Let's put it that way. But uh, it's finished, and it's out there, and when you'll know when it comes out. Put it that way. Uh. <laughs> you will. This is the best it's pitch ever. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't tell you anything about it, but damn it, you'll know. <laughs> I did. I told you it's a Western. And it's a Western, and you're going to hear about it. I can guarantee you both those things. <laughs> oh, my God. That's where we'll leave it, I think, Moose, because it's not going to get any better than that. Um, what a fun conversation. Thank you for having me. Oh, I'm so glad we got this locked down. Uh, do you have any social media links or anything that listeners could follow you on? Yeah, I guess uh, I still am on uh, X at Abraham Ben Ruby. I'm on Instagram at Jambon Deluxe. <laughs> Um, and that's it. And I'm not a, a giant in, uh, engager on either, but uh, I poke at them both. So if somebody wants to hire me, <laughs> no. if somebody wants to uh, reach out and ask or say something, it's always fun to hear from people uh, in that way. Like you. I appreciate it, Moose. Oh, absolutely. And listeners. I will put those links in the episode description, so if you want to poke at them, feel free. And you can find me and other great poke podcasters me. over at electronicmediacollective.com, or if you just want to find me, you can find me over on Facebook, X, and YouTube at Moose Media Inc. Just follow the moose. And Abe, like I said, I'm so glad we were able to get this done kind of wish I lived closer to California because I think you and I would have a lot of fun hanging out. Uh. <laughs> I think we could probably we could probably while away a few hours. Right. Uh, yeah, man. Uh, we'll we'll, we'll find here. some time no, to... Omaha's great, dude. Come out this way in the summer. Yeah. <laughs> Don't come out now. That it's cold. Fun, actually. I, <laughs> no, no. I, uh, I've only flown through there. I'd like to come out there, actually. It's a beautiful part of the world. Thank you for having me, Moose, and I'm going to uh, follow all your socials and all that. Absolutely. Do well. Happy but, holidays. You too. And look forward to the rest of Season 5 for 2024. And until next time, Horror Hounds, mash on. <laughs>